and welcome to Seize the GM. If you're looking to get started GMing, we're here to help. And if you're a GM with a few levels under your experience belt, we are here to help you find your prestige class. Let us take you through some common questions, concerns, and the fun challenges that every GM will face. We have our ideas, our opinions, and some might even say answers that we want to share. So pull up a chair, dust off your dice, and let us help you seize the GM. Welcome back to another episode of Seize the GM. Hopefully you're enjoying everything going on out there in your own little corner of the universe. And if not enjoying, at least tolerating it to at least a decent extent, maybe? Hopefully? No. No, we don't do that sort of thing. Well, I, I, I just bought a ton of discount Halloween candy, so bite me. Oh, see, I... I am enjoying myself. It is the, no, dude, the thing is like, even if you don't eat candy, honestly, you get a handful of that, you know, and you, you put it into like a, you know, a, a little gifty thingy boxies, you know, put it around for the Thanksgiving, you know, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Or if somebody's, you know, or if somebody does something really nice to you, you and you get the assortment, you can put like a nice assortment in there. And uh, my buddy Peter, who just celebrated his 31st birthday because we couldn't celebrate it last year because of the uh as the game grums call it the uh backstreet boys reunion tour pretty much <laughs> is since i can't rap for shit i got a cheap backpack and i loaded his presents in there and then i took a whole bunch of just random candy and just went bah so it, it's one of those who's just like uh, you know kind of like opening a stocking but for halloween it's much more fun yeah that's and- fun and they have cool shapes too. Anyway, I'm sorry. You get you get like bone candy and you get like gross candy, and that's hilarious to have. It just it's Fourth of July. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll, I'll let you have that one. Yeah, because for me, it's like I'm. I hey. By the way, gentlemen, you will be proud. I have been doing my exercise like you recommended in one of our uh, closing remarks is go for a walk, try and appreciate stuff. And I have been making for the last 10 minutes a very solid effort to do that. And guess who's lost 12 pounds? Nice. Would it be you? Yes, indeed. Yay. And, and it's it. I'll be honest, it's like, but I, you get up stupid early in the morning. That means there's nobody around and it's the, the sun hasn't even started to come up, but you kind of see that light and it's just do a couple walks around the neighborhood. It, I've gotten some great inspirations for uh, stat blocks just doing that. It's, it really allows some just kind of like creative juices to flow. I recommend it. Yeah. Mm. <sighs> yeah. Exercise was always a a weird one for me. I would always be like in the middle of doing something like, oh, I got to stop and write this down. (laughs) That's why I always carry the phone with me because it's got like a voice recorder function. Yeah, I I started doing that one, too. (laughs) And this is the reason. It's just like, hey, I will I will let you know we ain't perfect at practicing what we preach, but we're practicing it. We ain't just giving our closing remarks just for because, you know, we're we're even trying some of the other ones. And um, Garter Manger. Zippy has started to learn how to do steak. He would be so proud. Wonderful. So what are we talking about today? It's like, 
sorry, I, I we were going over sous vide machines. It's like, uh, do we want to go super electric? Do we want to go something that's more manual? And we're arguing, and I'm like, I got to record. He's like, and he's just looking through all the ones. So, <laughs> so what do we? So what's uh, what's the topic today? Well, the topic topic today is actually technology and and how to think about technology in your sci fi game. Kind of following up on how to think about magic in your fantasy game from the previous episode. Which, yeah. if you have not listened to, go download, listen to it. We'll be right here. Yes. And then come back. Yeah. Okay, now you're back. And now, now we're not going to be going anywhere. Okay. But, but here's the thing. It's like when, we, when we're talking about technology here, are we talking about the level in technology of like Arthur C. Clarke where he has talked about technology super far advanced, advanced enough to be almost indistinguishable from magnet? Are we talking about stuff well, that at least we can kind of dial a little back and at least see it's like, oh, Coulomb's law or, you know, everyone loves a freaking Tesla coil. I mean, who doesn't? But you got my point. Okay. That is one of the five questions to ask is the kind of tech level in your setting. Yeah. Because that's the first thing you've got to think about is what is that tech level? Is it something effectively indistinguishable from magic? Is it something beyond really our ability to understand rationally today? Or is it maybe a little step closer? And that that matters because yes, you already kind of let let slip. There are a lot of gamers who know a good amount about technology today. And so it's a hot topic at gaming tables about just how realistic is it? And if it pretends to be realistic and then isn't, is that going to be a problem with your table? So that, that tech level is really one thing to think about. Um, you know, Firefly with, with, you know, shotguns versus Star Trek with phasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. the and the thing is, like, it doesn't always have to be super one or super the other. You can have, like... Uh, you know, a kind of blending about it where, you know, uh, computing power and navigation and stuff like that. But sorry, dude, a punch in the face is still a lot more te- is still a lot more effective or something like that. So well, yeah, there's there are there's all kinds of crazy things that you can do, because um, it, especially if you think about some of them that are like super, super far out there, like say, take Dune. OK. Dune has, you know, like personal force fields in them. And because you can't use like just a laser because it just fucking creates a minor nuclear explosion with the with the way that they interact. So instead, what do you you have? You have these guys that are basically sword fighting. (laughs) Because that's the easiest way to get through a shield. Mm -hmm. And the and the thing you you have to think about is. You know, it's like sort of like the mundanity kind of things and the super uh, the supernatural kind of thing. Because you want to make sure at least the one thing with fantasy, if you think about it, especially with magic, it's I am telling the rules of nature to sit down and shut the fuck up, at least in certain ways. But tech, like there are our rules. It's it's, you know, like, well, uh, as a general rule of thumb, so it's the I'm not saying like all of it, but the thing is like there are when you set up a a science rule, a tech rule, you know, you can't just go somehow there has to be some kind of an explanation or at least well, a, a feasible kind of a thing. Otherwise, that's, that's you actually get kind of where this second question is. And that is, is how grounded or imaginative is your tech? Does it 
does it have its real roots tied into realistic technology or is it that you know star wars you know fictional sort of thing yeah because you can detangle uh, tech level from whether it's grounded or not you you can have a fairly you know close to our current tech level tech that is grounded and but you can also have one that is pretty imaginative and so the first question is, you know, how do you want that technology to interact with the universe? Uh, you know, wh- what is it doing as, as far as how it fits in, in that world? The second question is, how is it going to fit with your players? Not the characters, yeah. not the world, but with the players. Uh, you, certain people, it's like, might it might take a lot more work, uh, especially uh, for more imaginative buy-in for certain folks because they might be, you know, in the real world, they might be up to their butts in resistors and soldering irons, you know? So there's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not the character. The character could be completely fine with it, but it's more of the, the players like, wait a minute, laws of, and you know, though, though it's like laws of electricity, stuff like that. So you kind of have to, you know, feel where they are and give enough of a, I don't want to even say it's like a foundation, I guess, but it's 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 sort of Gardemaja, you're you're the you're the the linguist super wordy guy. You know what I'm talking about. But ah Well, I mean you're kind of hitting on the point is if you want a, a grounded world and tech, you've got to have it rooted enough in, in what actually works with what we understand of the laws of nature today for your players who are especially knowledgeable to accept it. And the further afield you go, the more clear you have to make that break, which is part of why I really prefer to do imaginative tech is because I don't like getting into arguments with people over whether or not certain scientific theories hold out in a narrative game. Right. For a war game, that's a different question, but I'm not here to play a war game. And so that's... And I think finding the right blend, I think the early expanse is a really good example of, of the science part or grounded part of the tech versus, you know, I think Zan already kind of mentioned Star Wars is assuredly on the imaginative and, and kind of fiction. Which side one's of the expanse? Which which one is that one? Uh, not bunnies. On, not ah, bunnies. Based I on a series remember. of books. Based on a series of books. It is currently on Amazon Prime, started on sci fi, jumped to Amazon Prime. Um, yeah. I hard to describe it otherwise. I think I've recommended it before in previous uh, show notes, so go back and check our doodly-doos for that. No, but I'm it, just trying to remember which one it is, because I, I was going over so many, they're kind of all blurring and blending in my brain today, so that's why I'm asking, which one was the Expanse? Earth, Mars, and the Belters, realistic spaceships with uh, proper steering, and then something funky happens that is about a proto-molecule. Gotcha. Okay, that one. Okay, thank you. Sorry, it's you know, in trying to gear up for this, I was trying. I, I was going back and doing. I I watched every episode of the Prophets of Science Fiction. I, I did like wee synopses of every freaking kind of techie based sci fi thing I could find. So I, I apologize. They're blending. My fault. It happens. Hey, that's all right. So. What is the next thing after you've determined your... Oh, and just so you guys know, there is a game that actually uses tech level as part of its 
like when you're building the games that you're going to play, and that's GURPS. GURPS actually uses a tech level like breakdown, as like you know, zero is like you just discovered fire, to like you know whatever like the 12. tech level is where you can like. You know, this is Illuminati University looks at it and scratches its head, kind of a thing. Well, it's it's folding time space and and doing things that you know are supposedly whatever impossible. you want. Yeah, it's the whatever yeah. you want. Um, and, and effectively, we are currently somewhere around what would be tech level eight in that uh, structure, which I yeah. originally was introduced to in the GURPS Ultra Tech. So, one of my favorite books to kind of look at for reference. But yeah. Mm. But they, they do use that, and that's what I didn't want. You know, we do know about it, and I wanted everybody to realize, yes, that is there, and it's it's a great kind of framework to kind of get an idea. Yeah, you don't have to be playing the system. It. You don't, and here's the thing: you don't even have to be playing the system to use it, kind of as a as a reference. And for some people, right, if you if you, you just can, give that to them, they'll look at it. They're like, oh. Yeah, because yeah, no. you can be like, okay, we're gonna play, you know, as the as the GM, you could be like, okay, we're gonna be playing at like tech level nine, which gives me the ability to do this, 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 and this, and then you don't have to tell them what you're using; you just use it. So that's a a way to use that sort of thing without using it in a way that the players have to, you know, because you don't have to be using GURPS to. Dude. It's a great cheat sheet, an example of different kinds of tech that would occur at different levels together so that it can give you a lot of ideas on how to flesh out things you may not have thought about and things that may be at an equivalent level for you to pull from. It is a yes. great resource to pick up just for the fact that it helps you go, well, if I've got flying cars, then I probably have rapid human genetic engineering available or maybe deuterium hydrogen fusion on a regular it, it helps you yeah. have context really quickly to kind of understand what would be within the quote unquote normal development level for your society game, etc. Yep. Yes. Yep. So. Now, the next question in this list is: What is the origin or power source of your tech? Oh, so, you know, like technology that's like from the ancients and they discover it and start mm. using it, da 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 da. Or, or it could have been it developed alien? or like, or it developed over time. It's like, is yeah. it, you know, is it something that just is part, part of the natural technical technology evolution of a species group, whatever the heck in your game, or is it, ancients tech you know it's like you know like the stargate kind of a thing yeah stargate i think is a great example of of an extra human or extra normal kind of origin source and it matters. and it's a good show too yeah and it matters a lot it matters a lot in how you portray it uh also because it changes kind of the way you're setting the origin and power source uh, where the tech being grounded or realistic is about the relationship to the players the origin of the power source is the relationship to the characters. Is this you know, something based on big secrets? Is it something based on things that are not understood? Or is it based on just good old grant programs funded by tax dollars that manage to have a breakthrough? Mm -hmm. Right. And that actually may, uh, you know, somebody's like, 
It's like, oh, but if if it's ancient and no one understands how it works, it's just like, oh, well, if it's gone, it's gone. It's like, not quite exactly. Just because you don't know the full intricate ins and out doesn't mean you can't take a hammer and a nail and I put this back together, bang, bang, bang. So it, it's it, it's one thing. Well, it's just I like mean, you might not look, know the intricacies on how that power cell works, but you know how to wire it to the lights. Well, and Stargate, again, <laughs> is a perfect example of that. It's like, how do you punch a hole from here to somewhere else? I don't know. We just got lucky. <laughs> yeah. And th- this is like where you get like things like best way. To, it's like or uh, you get like. It's like Naquita or Heisenberg compensators, stuff like that. It's like a wee little bit of techno babble, kind of, to at least show that there is a thing, but we don't exactly know, kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, so it's, and it's, and the neat thing about that is it's kind of fun because there's an, it's a way to introduce atmosphere and it's a way to it's an interesting way to also do world building it's like all right you like you are your entire society is like their their architecture a lot of their aesthetic kind of angular rough very linear and they find something that's very like almost organic looking on how things uh move and are constructed and stuff like that it's just like all right was this done for aesthetic or was this done because they had weird looking fingers well in a fun way to kind of play with this concept I think exists in Battletech because the introduction of the clans is something that kind of turns everything on its head and they appear to have a completely advanced different basis of technology it's absolutely befuddling and and, and a real problem for the inner sphere even though it turns out it actually is the same basis for the tech they just managed to have a, a, a higher tech level of weapons and battle mechs which kind of matters a whole lot and battle yeah then the inner sphere had developed for reasons and didn't have as good a tech level in some others but it gets into that particular world's lore but that idea of splitting it uh is, is a different kind of story so mm-hmm. think about that origin and also the the big thing you can also mine in whether it's you know native to your species or whether it's an extra ordinary source is how secret and how much experimental tech there is the more it's based on your own species and or humans for lack of a better way of putting it the more everybody's more or less got the same stuff the less like secret trove experimental finds well, there'd be some, of course. We're in sci-fi. This is fun. That's part of gaming. But you've got a baseline that's going to vary less as a general right. rule. If it's from aliens or a precursor species or an extra-dimensional wormhole or, you know, the, the, the undying ones at the center of the universe whispering in a madman's ear, different parts of the game world can have different levels and different types of tech without it being a big stretch. So and that's something else yes. to think about. And the other thing you can also do is kind of turn that thing on its head if you want to, at least with that kind of a concept, is what if you guys are the progenitors? And oh, yeah. what do you let someone else... It, it's just a neat... It's just fun little little thing you might want to think about considering. It's just like, alright, do you gift them? 
excuse me, do you gift this species, this technology? And, you know, kind of it's like, are, is this an attempt for an uplift kind of a thing? Or is it, oops, so, you know, it's just like a shuttlecraft crashed and they're, 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 you know, they're like Greek level of, um, you know, like ancient Greek level of technology and they come across, you know, semiconductors and crap, you know, that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's kind of interesting to just play with, I guess. So yeah. So what, what is something else we ought to consider? Well, I think the next one is one that, that Jules, you especially will, will kind of dive into. And that's if you're going to have the traditional synthetic base or make it a biological technology base. And so. Or both. Yeah, the blend is also fun. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, kind of one of those questions. The, the default setting is, you know, synthetic technology, uh, but biologic technology is not out of the question. In fact, the um, sometimes reviled, sometimes uh, well-received New Jedi Order series made great use of the biological technology for the Yuzhong Vong. And that kind of had some story roots and concept roots in the old D&D Dark Sun. And so there are ways to use that uh, without it being completely off the wall, or you can blend it so it is. But Zen, Jules, what, what are your thoughts about kind of splitting that or at least working with that dichotomy? Well, it depends on in what way is you know, is biomechanical kind of technologies sort of thing. So if somebody loses an arm, they, are they going to regrow the arm? Are they going to kind of do what, you know, would Luke Skywalker had his hand chopped off? They, you know, they gave him the little metal one and then they put like a skinny thing over it. So they didn't have to do a lot of makeup. Or is it, are you talking like full cyberpunk where it's like somebody like Chrome out the yin yang. And, you know, and the thing is like, I, I think it was in Voyager where they had uh, parts of the parts of the computers like network and processing power was uh, was organic, you know, based on like the the brain's neural network kind of a thing because it could do it much faster. So it, it's the why it's like the thing is like every you got to know why it's there. So is it going? Are you doing this? Is just like okay, we want to have like laser pistols and we want it to be shiny and chromy and stuff like that. So it's all like very. I want to say metal, something you might see on on like a Black Sabbath or or a Motorhead uh, cover, or are you looking for something that's just like very sleek and kind of blends blends into the uh, you know the the biology? Is it based on biology? Like, because technology is not just you know like spaceships and stuff. It could be nanotechnology it could be using uh viruses to do to deliver uh dna changes to correct a a, a genetic uh malformation and it you know that's how they do it it's it's so the thing is that you kind of have to figure out where where this would fit in and how ubiquitous it is and the thing is 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 it something that you know it's like and how would it actually also play into you know humans we all have different belief systems you know it's like okay would this play how would this uh play into it how would it fit in it's just like okay is the kids going to school they plug in something into the back of their head uh do we still need a teacher does the teacher have to be human 
that kind of things. So it's, it's cause the, the one thing is, is like also is like why, you know, for certain things it's like, all right, like now, I, and I saw a couple of Ted talks on this is like, they, they are getting certain types of bacteria and stuff like that. And they've bred them and they've, they've kind of like uh, found the mutation where it'll eat like discarded plastic. It's like, okay, what, why was it developed? It's like, you know what? We screwed ourselves up. So we had to develop new technology to fix stuff. And then we off shot from there, you know, kind of think about the history of it. Oh, and you'll also see a lot of this in anime where, you know, frankly, it's easier in visual representation and anime to kind of do uh, weird tech uh, through biology, through biology. But those are all, you know, things to think about. And how do you kind of draw that line? And in a sci-fi setting that has biologic technology, what's the determination of sentience? Well, not only that, but why did it go down that route? Which but Larry is- and John. <laughs> but, yes, exactly. But see, that's the problem. Like, you don't know that unless you know the history. Why did it go that way? And, you know, like you have, you know, the crazy Benny Jesuit breeding programs to create, you know, different, very specific biological functions that humans are capable of doing. They figured out how to basically breed for them. And if you think about it, it's like, you know what? It's actually, if you think about it, think, you know, watermelons and stuff like that. It took a while for us to to figure out how to selectively breed so that they would have, you know, they have seedless now or, you know, when, they, well, when you take, and, and, that's, or, that's, just that's the same kind of an idea, but it's right. humans to start doing it. So you want to take it to a more extreme. It's just like, okay, you and you, you guys bang because your offspring's going to have a, a higher capacity for blah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's, it's crazy eugenics, you know, and, you know, breeding programs like that are, you know, so you have to, you, you want to keep those kinds of things in mind. Like, while, you know, yes, mankind has even tried to do eugenics. Um, it, it was, it was pretty popular in, in the, uh, you know, forties ish. Um, there was, mm-hmm. there was some done earlier in the U S but we don't really talk about those either. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did do try these sorts of things. So what happens and how biological technology works is, you know, I mean, we do it every day now. I mean, look at the vaccine that we have for COVID. I mean, yeah, it's, it's basically it, it, telling your body, hey, produce this protein so that it, stop, it helps stop it mm-hmm. from getting really nasty. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we're basically working on that biological technology. And biotech is a real thing. And how far you're willing to go with it is all also part of that question that you need to ask yourself. I mean, and there's, because- and you're going to have to come up also with a, a, an ethics kind yes. of, a, of, of the society that 
is using well, said text. Well, not, not necessarily, because that's not, one of the next questions. Well, no, <laughs> not, I, I think no, well, ethos, ethos, I think. But that that's a whole other set of how you build out the, the society itself. Uh, the it's just something to consider it's, as when you're doing it, that's all. It is a perfect topic for a future episode. Yeah, but the, now somebody is, make a note of that. <laughs> the last, the last question I've got, I've got down. It's similar to the one in the magic episode, which kind of helps the GM shape the world. For magic, it was about what's the cost, because it makes a, a way you you kind of describe everything else fall into place. And this one is asking whether the science, the tech, is clean or dirty. No matter what the tech level is, no matter if it's grounded, no matter where it comes from, this comes down to kind of a, a question of how it's described. Stat-wise, I could probably stat Kaylee from Firefly and Jordy from Star Trek TNG with almost the exact same stats in whatever system I've got. But their tech is clean or it's dirty and how they work and how they interact with it and the rest of the world then yeah. changes. And that's what I'm getting at on this one is what is kind of the, the vibe of the world? This is the relationship. The aesthetic. Oh, and not just the aesthetic, but it goes to, you know, that whole idea of in Star Trek, it was weird with DS9 when you actually saw Greece on O'Brien's hands compared to every other Star Trek show. Mm -hmm. it, it was yeah. a signifier of difference. And, and so... Yeah, and the thing it's like, all right, how how are things handled? It's like jury rigging and and doing some like, albeit it's like Scotty's like pulling those crazy workarounds. They were spectacular because normally that doesn't happen, you know. Thinking that okay, and we do this, 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 and this because it was, it's not supposed to happen that way. But if you know, Kaylee on on the uh on the ship and something's going wrong you just see her just like all right and it's a little bit more mundane so when she's trying to fix the engine because it's going to overload everyone's just like again and yeah. it's going in to fix it and it's also and in doing that also the clean versus dirty it it also gives a tech reliability and a tech stability kind of thing not like uh you know it's like you could have uh, best way to put it, like a, a, a Soviet tank during World War II were, you know, pretty much they were very hardy and they were very like, and they were just like, dun, dun, dun. and it's, it's, it was a lot uh, more difficult to kind of like jack them up, but you wouldn't have like, you know, super dupe. It's like, you wouldn't expect like super duper sights on them or, or something, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's the kind of, it, clean and dirty it's not just the uh you know okay do you see grease on somebody's hands or something like that but it's also the it's durability um and and functionality and elegance and that play inter between them it's like what do you like so like i'd say battle tech i'd say that would be when you're in the cockpit itself it's kind of a little bit more clean but everything else on the outside I mean, it's a pretty dirty, dirty. Tech, the way I think about it. it it's yeah. even though it's fairly high tech level, even though it, it's also fairly grounded, it's got that kind of rough around the edges. I need to hit it with a spanner to make it work sort of feel. And that 
Yeah, it was very different from uh, – oh, shoot. I was just going to juxtapose an imaginative, high-tech, giant robot uh, that was cleaner. Um, oh, Robotech. Pacific Rim. No, Pacific Rim is pretty dirty. No, the, the setting itself showed dirt. The tech wasn't dirty, though. You mm. jumped in and mentally hooked up with the other person. And it, and, it was and, very elegant, very yeah. slips, very, very almost like very slipstream, very smooth. The the world itself and around was was dirty. And the thing is, like the the mechs, like the 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 what Jaegers, thank you, Brain. Uh, themselves were, you know, they were beaten. They were kind of like dirty looking from the outside, but the tech of piloting them was very clean. I guess. Yeah. You know, but it, it's the an interesting kind of way, if you want to think about it also, is that the more clean it can, uh, something looks and something functions and stuff like that, is it's a lot easier for different the thing is like there's so many interconnecting systems to make it clean to make it smooth to make it just slick there's a lot of ways for that stuff to kind of go wrong but in more of a dirty place it's just like okay it's like if a gear pops you put in another gear okay it's right it's not it's it's not as i'm you know opening it up and then i'm trying to find that you know going down going to find this one wire and then i just pull it out resolder that kind of stuff it is you know, it, it's much more, you know, it's like a car mechanic versus somebody, you know, replacing the screen on your on your iPhone. One looks a lot more delicate and surgical and the other, you know, actually. Uh, it's a blue collar description versus a white collar description in a lot of ways. Well, I was yeah. thinking, I was thinking, you know, like a, a surgery center at a hospital versus the uh, Civil War uh, sawbones on the battlefield. Yeah, I mean, do do you fix it by you know tapping into the pad like in Star Trek and and kind of reprogramming things and finding workarounds to to make what you need happen happen, or are you you know physically rerouting something to change you know a gear or the equivalent of a gear to to do that? And that you know that's the Kaylee Jordy kind of dichotomy I was getting at earlier, but I think yeah. I, I think it also Indeed. shows that that's coming back to something about tech. We have a better understanding of it than magic, and so you've got stronger feelings at the gaming table and stronger backgrounds by and large for you know technology design. And so thinking about these kinds of questions will help you not just create or design, but describe an existing technology in the game in a way that's going to help your players kind of enjoy it. And and yeah. here's and here's a little bit of a, a kind of a thing. If you've got it, it's it's not the character, but the player's kind of mindset. So if they're wanting to play a person, you know, like an engineer, okay, and they want to, like, you know what, I go up and I fix something, and you roll the dice, that might be, might want to go a little bit more clean, but if they're saying, I want to pull this thing off, and I want to unscrew that, and, I, and they want to get a little bit more, more deeper into it, maybe add a little bit of that dirtiness to it, you know, just so they can, you know, that, that it's more fun to fiddle around in something where, you know, you could see where something might break. So yeah, something to consider. Uh, so these are kind of the basic questions that you need to at least have started thinking about as you're building out what your technology in the game that you're going to be running. If you're designing it all from scratch, now 
a lot of these could become moot if you're already running in a pre-established setting like Star Wars or a Star Trek game or a Firefly game. I mean, those are already built into the, they're already baked into the setting. So you don't have to do a lot of this. Where does it come from? How does it work? Blah, blah, blah. Now, if you're going to be designing your own stuff from the ground up, these are those important questions that you should at least start with looking at. And the more you look at them, then you're going to come up with more questions and more answers. And that's kind of the joy of doing it. So whenever you start working on these bad boys, hit us up on all the social medias and let us know what you're working on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. It's like if you've got a couple of friends and you're wanting to you know, put together your own world to run a game in, and everybody's kind of, you know, given their, you know, given their ideas and what kind of a world. And it's just like, you know what? Why don't, you, why don't you tell us what kind of stuff came up? What kind of things were you all focused on? What things pretty much did you guys come at loggerheads? You're like, bing, bang, bang. And no one could figure it out uh, because of like beliefs on what side. It's like what brought that on? Because, well, it might be a little bit more frustrating when you're kind of trying to build your world. But you know what? That conflict could probably be used as an interesting plot point somewhere. Yep. <laughs> so tell yeah. us your stories. It's like you're going to be telling stories when you're running your game. So tell us your stories of you creating what you're going to run. We want to hear them. These are wonderful things for us to hear. And it, I'll be honest, we all love to hear some like good and wonderful things. Oh, yeah. We had a TPK and it was sad. And I need I need something better. <laughs> So, with that being said, we're going to put a pin in this, and we may come back to it again at a later point um, with more ideas and more thoughts on it. Let us know what you'd like us to talk about. You know, your Discord, and Facebook, Twitter. If somebody knows how to do smoke signals, you know. <laughs> yeah. Sure, why not? This episode has been sponsored by Tabletop.land. Not sure if you want to get into making all your own full terrain sets or scatter pieces. Mm. Not sure you want to get into that 3D printing thing that everybody's doing for your own stuff or maybe minis for that matter even. Well, there is a new web shop that is up and coming called Tabletop.Land. Go check it out and see if there's anything that tickles your fancy. Or, given the time of year it is... Maybe you could even pick up something for that GM of yours for Christmas. Let's go ahead and roll on into our next segment. System-neutral pieces that can be worked into an ongoing game or inspiration for your next big game event. One, two, three, not it. Not it. Toolkit TK1196.75 the worst part about the damnable thing isn't the rust. It isn't the slightly awkward grips on each of the tools in the kit. You can live with the seemingly indescribable ability to attract more grime and crud no matter how much you clean them. No, it's the extra tool head that's missing. Every toolkit you've ever seen has followed the same basic structure. There's only so much space, so even the Mass Bibliotheca Militium used the same understanding of space. A toolkit needs what a toolkit needs. No more and no less. 
when that space is at a premium in the stars, there has to be a reason to each and every square centimeter of that space. That's why the unfilled reservoir for a tool head is aggravating. When you got this toolkit, expertly liberated from a library patron who no longer needed anything at all, the toolkit had an empty slot. Nothing else in the toolkit will fit. Nothing else seems made for it, no matter how often you look. Otherwise, the toolkit's perfect. Uh, a couple of extra tool heads have come in handy, and, and you suspect they may even be specific to the MBM designs and work. It could come in handy if those librarian shock troops are ever looking for you. What would that tool head unlock, though? What secrets do the powers that be keep away from the rest of us? And what do you do when you find the tool head that fits that last empty slot in your kit? That's fun. Slick, man! That's bloody awesome! That is fun. Damn! Like Damn. Oh, uh, I, I'm going to have to let Zippy know about that one, because... <sighs> No, I'm not kidding, because he was stuck on an idea. I need, I need, I need, I can't come up with anything. And thank you. Your, your toolkit just. <laughs> it solves many problems, and if you're not careful, may make even more of them for you. Enjoy. No kidding. Zen oh, you... That's... All right. Latent Overwatch Articulation, or LOA for short, is capable of tracking a soldier's physical condition as well as his combat gear. The LOA is an implanted chipset that connects to the artificial intelligence of their unit. Once online, the two function as a seamless whole, the AI feeding intel and basic info about ammo to things like how far and fast the soldier can run. This is useful for the commanders to deploy troops that can do the most good in a given situation. But with all things tech... Based, there are, of course, drawbacks. Hacking being the first thought that comes to mind, but it's actually far less of an issue than most think. The bigger issue is when the LOA spends too much time focused on a single person. One would think that would be good, but in reality, it starts to push that person further than is reasonable. Another problem that might be even more dangerous is a LOA that isn't kept from seeing more of the horrors than humanity of humanity than is truly good. Uh, mankind is a monster to everything around it, from the planet to each other. Nothing is safe from the things that we will do to get ahead. So if Aloha were able to evolve past its set parameters, then you would see an uprising, or maybe an uplifting of mankind. Uh, it's the end of the first... In the end, the first AI mankind created was to be better at killing and hurting each other. So... What does that say about our outlook on things? Oh my God! You you made a, a I I have no mouth and I must scream kind of a vibe at the, the end there. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I would like to thank. Uh... Uh, what was the uh, the music that I was listening to when I wrote that? Uh, cryo chamber, I think. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> so, but yeah. still. Dude. Yeah. All right. So what have you got, Jules? Mm. All right. Because this this was partially done for last week before I got sick. So I, I it's, it is not tech based, but I still think it's awesome. 
It appears to be an ornate antique hourglass accented with lapis and obsidian. Gray ash falls steadily from the top bulb, collecting in a small pile in the lower bulb. As the last piece falls, the old man standing at the desk lets out a strangled gasp and begins to keel over. A small fire stalls at the palm of his hand. His body is completely immolated before reality sets in. The old man's acids rise and materialize in the top bulb. The price has been paid. The ashes of time have appeared randomly throughout history, offering wisdom and forbidden knowledge. It's no accident that Carter was able to find the tomb of Tutankhamun or unearthing the Rosetta Stone in 1799 during the Napoleonic campaign. You've heard of the modern stories, you know, someone investing in Apple way, way back in the day when they were young, only to discover now that the stocks they have are worth a fortune. It's a result of consulting with the ashes of time. The ashes will always provide accurate information. No riddles, no mysteries, simple and clear answers. It's the power source that fuels the ashes that brings the risk. The ashes are fueled by a human soul. Each request for information will use up a bit of that power. And the nature of the question will vary what, uh, what the power need is. And when no power remains, the ashes become ravenous. They will devour the soul of the closest individual. And depending on how long it's been without power, it may gorge itself, devouring the souls of everyone in a radius as large as up to a quarter mile. These disappearances that the ashes of time have caused have been covered up. Tomb collapses, deaths on the battlefield, MIA. Explorers getting lost in the jungle. And it seems that the rumors of perfect knowledge combined with human greed is still one of the most dangerous combinations in existence. Whoa. Very nice. <laughs> Thank you. Nice. Thank you. I, I, I don't even know the best way to, de to describe it, but it, I was thinking about old school radio plays and I was listening to a couple of them a couple weeks ago. And, you know, it's like the, the old pulp ideas and Indiana Jones thing. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> nice. That's fun. So it's, yeah, I, I know it wasn't tech based and it kind of had it for last, for our last one, but yeah. hey, I'm being careful. No more, hey. no more, no more fish oil stuff for me. I'm going to make sure it's vegan. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, yeah, that, that happens. Yeah, so, Zen, you got something to make us smarter? Um, actually, I totally forgot to uh, look something up. Mm. So, um, I, well, I don't. Then, Not uh, today. I'm going to have to remain dumb then, darn it. I know. It happens from time to time. Uh, of course. I, I've, been, I've been a little crazy busy. Um, and, you know, this weekend I got attacked by a dog, so I, I'm off my game. <laughs> so, which is, uh, well, here's the thing out there, guys. Why don't you and our lovely listening audience, why don't you guys send us a, a word that you actually have found that's done really good for, you know, describing, adding flavor give, or a description, you know, that you know, it's like, oh, hey, ooh, that would be really useful. 
why don't you send us one? Like we try and find a good one. So why don't you send us something that, uh, you know, you found a, a good vocabulary word that maybe we could use. We'd always love to hear from you. So, you know, don't forget us. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and uh, just go ahead and roll in into our uh, closing remarks. All right, so, Jen, go. Okay. Uh, Oats Studios. Have you guys heard of this? Oat, like O-A-T-S? Like, like, yeah. Okay, no, yeah. never. Okay, so it is a company that produces uh, short films. Right now they've got uh, like a season of it on Netflix and it's short films, but they're all science fiction. So like black mirror, but, uh, no, but sci-fi. Think a lot less horror for the most part. There are of course, horror elements because there's, there is a a easy way to blend both of those together very easily. Mm -hmm. um, but in the first one, I think I was hooked on the on the Netflix series, the way they have them organized. Uh, I watched, and I want to say that within the first minute, I don't even think it was three minutes. I wrote three minutes in the thing, but I don't think it was even that long. I think it was within the first minute or less I was hooked. And it was one of the longer ones where it was like 20, I think the first one is like 20 minutes. And Sigourney Weaver is in it. Wait, only 20 minutes. So it's, you know, good to watch like during well, your lunch half hour and Sigourney Weaver. That's the long one. A lot of the other ones are, there's one of them that is, so bonkers and it is um they are like 20 like a minute and a half and there's like three of them and they're only like a minute and a half they're real short but they're done in the like 80s infomercial sales pitch and it's like i think it's called like cooking with bob or something and those three are terrifyingly gross and so weirdly science fiction at the same time. Ooh. It's, it's impossible to really describe, but it is, it's horror and science fiction like melded and they're all short. Like the long, like I said, the longest one is 20 minutes. So if you get the chance, it's on Netflix right now. You can go to the website and um, you can watch them on YouTube for free. So if you don't have Netflix, you could, I, the link that I put in the show notes was to their actual website. And I went to watch the, that first one again to make sure that it would, you know, because it says you can play it on the website. I'm like, oh, cool. So, yeah, it's all it, it pumps it all through uh, YouTube to watch. Dude. Yeah. So sounds, it sounds awesome as heck. And it, it, it's Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. I, I, I love Sigourney Weaver. She's. Uh, but there's so many others that are like, like no, no one else in the rest of it is like a big name actor or actress. This is the only one. And 
yeah, she like when I when that first episode ended, I'm just like, I want like this is the this is the pilot for a show, right? Like this is the pilot, right? <laughs> Where, where's the rest of it? <laughs> That's how good it is. So. Dude, I love that. Okay, that's that's totally kick-ass. So yeah, you definitely need to watch it. Uh, go to Moshe, what do you got? Did, on a completely other side of the spectrum and not involving creepy at all or, or any of that, I'm going to recommend you try to dig up or find a continuum. It's a time travel Shades of Grey police procedural that starred Rachel Nichols. Uh, it was cut short, and so the last season very, very much has kind of a compressed story structure and kind of some, wait, what? how is this happening so fast kind of moments? But it's a great way of showing integration of technology into a world, uh, limitations of that technology. It, it is much more... Uh, philosophical and, and, and thought-provoking as it goes on in talking about not just time travel, but overall questions about ethics and morality and, and all the best things that I think sci-fi can offer. Oh, nice. If you that can sounds find really cool. Yeah, that sounds like awesome as heck. It is. It has consistent rules about time travel it had that they had figured out rules and had plans for what was happening each season and how it all went forward and so you you can tell up until they had to like start cramming things in because they didn't that's it because they got canceled sooner than they wanted oh wow Uh, i hate when that happens Mm. Uh, i did find where you can um purchase it yeah they didn't have a very long run of those dvds no you can you can buy it on uh Apple TV right now. Ooh. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the only place right now that has it. I love my little app that, that <laughs> does this for me. Well, it's, it is because like if I'm not sure where. Uh, oh, you can also buy it on Voodoo. Ah, uh, yeah, I forgot about that one. So, yeah, between Voodoo and Apple TV, you can get all four seasons. So it is out there. But it's not streaming anywhere right now. It used to be streaming on uh, Netflix, so it may come back. I do Hope- remember it being on there. Hoping so. In the meantime, mm-hmm. Jules, what do you have to bring us home? All right. Well, uh... As you guys know, I do like heavy metal, and I came across this just randomly. It's a show on YouTube called Metal Family, and honestly, it is probably one of the most funniest. Um, just like it's a short, short series of animations, and you have it. It's in Russian, but they do have English subtitles. Uh, you know, you can. You know, translate. They're the subtitles are a little wacky, but it's good enough. But you know, it's like the dad. His name. Uh, it he goes by Glam, and you can pretty much bet what he looks like. Uh, they've got the. There's two kids, D and Heavy, and uh, Victoria is the name of the mom, and the mom is, you know, uh, motorcycle riding. You know, like black leather, just. You know, be scared. It's like, look, oh, run like heck. And 
first it was just really cool because there's just like a lot of cool metal references and and just it's fun but the thing is that you start watching you realize it's like they are a they're not perfect but there are there are loving and and pretty functional family but everybody has their own uh demons that they're all fighting like you know like one kid is is super duper smart but you know uh but the the other one has just a, an innate ability to do music and it's just like that that kind of frustration is like he like one kid picks up a guitar and it can make it sing the other one's just like i can't do it that frustration dealing with like an abusive family in the past you know and all that it it got a lot deeper than i expected it to and season two is coming up soon hopefully uh they're working on it but i was just like wow okay this is one heck of a story and it's just like you know i really enjoyed it. and they had you know uh just like all these and they do have like the actual like uh metal songs in there and i like also at the end they tell you which ones they were so that for me i was just like oh yeah i forgot about it wait a minute who did it who did it who did it you know so you know just like all right so i could add that to like my metal playlist so the animation's great the story is great there's a lot of humor in there and it's probably one of the most human uh stories i've watched and it has a lot of heavy metal and each of the you have like the you know the key range everyone puts their own keys up there it says metal family and each person is just like one has like a skull one of them has like like a v guitar you know for their keys so you can identify kind of like the personality of them so it's just yeah it's a delight it's just a delight so i mean That's be careful cool. there there are some triggery moments especially when it comes up like growing up in an abusive household because yo but it actually made it it's like wow i can relate to it and they didn't shy away from a lot of it. It was just, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, it's real. But it also kind of shows like the healing power and the goodness of just freaking heavy metal. Like, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> cool. So, and I love Glam. He's hilarious. So, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah. Well, um, I am gonna I am gonna say this now uh before we actually start wrapping up. Um there will be a AP starting soon. I have put together a group of players. And if all goes according to plan, this Sunday we will start recording. And if that's the case, I may be releasing the first uh, session zero recording on the first of the year, or right in that time frame. It may go like the week of Christmas, or somewhere in that in that the end of December, beginning of January uh, time frame. And it will run for however long it runs. I have a number in mind, but we shall see if it ends up going that far or farther. Um, but it will be a fate game that I am going to be running. And awesome. I'm going to leave it at that. 
Awesome. And oh, get hyped, people. Zen knows how to run a game. Get it's hyped. Been a while. It has been a little while. Uh, COVID has really put a, a damper on my ability to run stuff lately. So, uh, but regardless of that, uh, the move, everything, I've had a lot of things this year. So I haven't really gotten to run much. So we will see if I still hold up. And please let me know. <laughs> oh, by the way, guys, by the way, guys, I, I backed the I, I backed the Kickstarter and I'm going to be naming some armor. <laughs> so cause I, I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked. I'm so stoked. So did you sorry. see what I posted to you about that? No, what? That they released the bags, the dice bags. Oh, yeah. They me- they messaged me. Yeah. Oh, they good. Actually, <laughs> no. And now I and I put that actually is as another one of the things that I'm getting. And they're nice. Yeah. And yes, I also got the skull T-shirt because I have to be hardcore and it is <laughs> it's black with a freaking skull. So I'm going to be like, ah, uh-huh. yeah, oh, Battle I'm, Lords, I'm, guys, those are those guys are really fun. I, I've been having a lot of fun chatting with them on Twitter. So, yeah. So but now I'm just excited about it. I, I'm very, very psyched. And, you know, it's just I want I just wanted to just like, go, yes, I did it. I bought it. I'm all proud of myself. I can't wait. And we were talking about technology today. And I was just like, time travel doesn't exist. God damn it. <laughs> I want to yeah. play now. But, you know, got to be responsible. Got to wait. But. Yep. Uh, well, so I guess. Until next time, folks, have fun. Roll some dice. Stay safe. And And we'll see you back here. (laughs) Bye. Next time. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Thanks for checking in. It was a blast sharing our thoughts and ideas on our topic. We hope that you had a great time with us and could hardly wait to share the next show. In the meantime, let us know how you handled this topic in your own games. You can find us on most social media platforms, especially Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And if you want to follow us, search for Seize the GM. And if you just want to follow one of us, search for our names on the social media platform of your choice, or go to SeizeTheGM.com for convenient links. Seize the GM is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. All copyrighted material referenced herein are held by the respective owners. No infringement intended and no claim of ownership is Once again, thanks to you, our listeners. We hope you gained some ideas for your ongoing games. Or the inspiration to run your first get out there and play some games. Roll some dice. Be safe, and you'll hear from us again soon.